You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 217. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 217. You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Hello, my love. Hello, baby girl. How you doing? I am doing wonderful. You ready to sound off on some awesome stuff for the podcast? Absolutely. We're going to get real. We're going to get real. That's right. Cool topic today, all about blame. And this is one of those areas where I think nobody loves that moniker. Nobody's like, you know what I do? I blame everybody. I blame mm-hmm. my boss. I blame my spouse for why I'm not happy. I blame my kids for the reason I can't travel. Nobody says that very openly. That's true. So I'm hoping that as you guys listen to this episode, you can start to kind of uncover ways where you might be rooted in blame and have no idea that it's actually arresting you. And I think I think it'll be kind of eye-opening because the deal about blame is, my God, it's like permanent victimhood. And we're going to talk all about shifting that. Ooh, that sounds fun. I, the blame <laughs> shame. Yeah, exactly. The blame game. Well, before we get into that really meaty very positive sounding topic. A heavy topic. <laughs> yeah, I promise you'll have tools to unpack it for sure, like I always give you. But before we do that, let's let's take a little lighter turn. Mm. Well, I don't know how light it is, but it's, oh, really? it's definitely a segment we like to call. Would you rather? And would you rather today is would you rather sell all of your possessions Oh my god. Or sell an organ. Oh my god. Whoa. That's kind of macabre. Um <laughs> told you it wasn't gonna be the much all brighter. Upbeat. It's not like I'd rather have glitter or rainbows. Like yeah. which you know, no, no, it's not that. No. Oh my gosh. Sell ev- like all my all my everything you own. Okay, and an organ. Or sell an organ. Like a kidney. Fuck me. That's, that's, well, okay. On one hand, it's like, if I was selling it, could I sell the organ for something really noble? (laughs) Like it's to save somebody's life? Or is it like. It would save, it would save a life. Right? Okay. Okay. Regardless. Well, I didn't know if it was like a shady thing. Like I didn't give a fuck. I just wanted to make money on the black market or something like that. Well, that kidneys to get, I mean, their kidneys aren't sold for. Fun, yeah. For I don't know, there might put be on the mantle. People might be into really crazy shit. Yeah, I guess that's true. But oh, let's gosh. say it's going to be put into someone. I don't know, <clears throat> man. That's really hard. I would, if I could really do it on the up and up, and but I know donating a kidney is like so painful, from what I understand. Yeah, it's a pretty painful area. Oh, what else would you donate? Like, what other organ? Yeah. My uterus. I could give up a uterus, but I don't think anybody else would need it. <laughs> um I 
Oh, that's a hard one. I'm yeah. attached to my things. I'm attached to my things. That's kind of why I thought this one would be. It'd be good for me. Good. Yeah. Well, not for you, just in general. I know? think I might. It, this is really hard for me. I there's a part of me because we're you know moving and all of that stuff where we're like letting go of, of any of old of shit yeah. and thinking about creating everything fresh and new. And I love that idea. But then there's certain things that I'm really attached to. But I'm I like the same way. Like, what would you pick? Well, you know, I thought about it, and I think you know, there's the adage of you can always get more things, right? Sure. But your health is only once. Right. So I think I'm going to go the selfish route, keep my kidney, yeah. sell everything I own. If it was like an appendix, I'm done, like it's, all I, in. I'm not appendix. But I, Nobody needs an appendix. Is that even considered an organ? Yeah. It is? It's an organ that's not really needed. Yeah, it's archaic. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a minimalist when it comes to this anyway. It's some yeah. of my stuff. Yeah. I'm leaning I'd that direction. I'd love to be able to save a life. That would be awesome. Yeah. But I think I'd rather just sell my stuff. Oh my gosh, I can't decide. I, I think I would. I think I would go with sell my stuff unless the organ was like. Oh, maybe part of my stomach for it would almost be like gastric bypass. I'm trying to think of all the ways I could get around it. Uh, I think I would have to go with my stuff unless the organ was like your appendix. Sell your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would I would go with that. Yeah. And keep me too. my keep my organs. I think I would too. I mean, I don't know, I could give up an ovary. I could uh, anyway. All right. Let's <laughs> let's jump into something I guess that is pretty much just as heavy as that. Actually a little bit lighter. <laughs> is it? Yeah, no, I'm kidding. All right, let's get into the blame game. Let's do it. Let's talk about this concept of letting go of blame. And again, I really want to encourage you to look at how this may apply to you because I don't think anyone really thinks, oh yeah, I totally blame my parents for my money issues or I totally blame my ex-husband for my financial situation. Most of the time, it's just true to us. It's just real. It's just true that if your ex-husband had not fucked up your financial situation, you could be so much happier. It's just a fact that if your parents weren't such douchebags, you would be able to parent better or whatever story you've made up. So we don't necessarily think, I'm a blamer. So you kind of need to look at how this situation might actually apply to you. And part of it, I think you can zero in on if you are holding a tremendous amount of anger towards anyone in your life, there's a chance that you are probably blaming them. Mm. And it's not necessarily a problem that – there's nothing wrong with you, I should say, that you are doing that. So our brain naturally wants to make sense of things, right? So if there is a spill on the floor, we want to know who did it. And, like, assign the culprit. You know, like, our brain doesn't want to just leave things up to, I don't know who did it. I don't know. We're not sure. We want to size up the situation and assign the culprit. Right. Just naturally. So it's not that I want you to start voting on what you've done or judging yourself, but really looking at what that blame is costing you. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But the first thing I you know, really wanted to underline is 
we all do it. Yeah. It, <clears throat> do you do you think that um, there's a Freudian influence there? Um, I don't think it's really anything more than. Well, Freudian though is just everything's related to childhood type of thing, right? right? And I think, but that's like blaming parents, right? Is your childhood sure? But I don't think it necessarily. I think we can experience a ton of different things in our childhood, and then depending on the person, we interpret that those sets of events completely differently from mm. the other person. So I think it's kind of irrelevant whether it's Freudian or not, because for for instance, like you grew up in a really challenging upbringing with your relationship with your father, yeah. right? You made a very conscious choice based off of what you interpreted that I do not at all costs want to ever be like this man. Right. So you <clears throat> paved out a trajectory that was really positive for yourself. And there are other people who have really egregious upbringings like that, and they interpret that to mean I am worthless. I don't have a choice except crime, except you know, whatever, and they go the completely opposite route mm -hmm. and kind of destroy their life thinking, you know, with this father, I have really no choice but to behave this way. And you took the same thing and said, with a father like this, I had no choice but to create this for myself. Right. Two totally different conclusions. But both of them are related to how Freud viewed things. Right, right, Is what right. I'm saying. But my point was more to um, – you know, our, our psychology in our Western, you know, um, culture yeah. is based off of mostly Freudian. Like it's changing now. Like totally. with you guys, like life coaching and that it's getting yeah. more into the present and how do you look to your future and not to your past, right? Right. Um, but it seems like our culture is very Freudian based. Everything is like, well, if I had come up, you know, with money or if I had come up with parents that were loving or, you know, all of those things are based off of Freud's uh, Right. That is all, that's all historical. And his principles, right? Well, I also... I don't think, know if I'm getting off topic. If I am, just shut me up. But. Yeah, a little bit. So if you okay. could just be quiet, that'd be excellent. <laughs> <laughs> For all of us. <laughs> so I have the agenda right here. So... It's the glasses. Oh, yeah. Now, now he thinks he's... It's the glasses. They make me very smart. <laughs> I'm extremely astute. <laughs> so I do think, though, that there's something that happens where we want to place blame no matter what. I think there's a lot of stuff that's historical, like childhood stuff. But I think there's also stuff that's more recent, like an ex-husband. Like that's past, but that's not necessarily childhood parent issues, right? Gotcha. Okay. Or a lot of people get locked into blame of their boss or my workplace mm -hmm. or the economy or our political leaders. A lot of that is based off of if you were a different human, surely then I'd be happy. So you're, you're basically saying that it's an external versus internal thing. That's exactly right. Okay. All so right. I'm back. There's a and we're back. <laughs> so I think that there are two major things that happen, and this is what I what I want to underline are the consequences of blame. So there is a cost. So obviously we do this one because we want to make sense in our mind, like whose fault was this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we also just accept it as truth. 
we also just, it is, it's real until we unpack it, until we really look at what might that truth of blaming my ex or even blaming myself for past things is influencing my current reality. So the first way that it really severely costs us is exactly what you were saying. We are externally focused rather than internally empowered. So what that means when you are externally focused, when it is always your boss's fault, it is always the economy, it's always your husband, it is always your kids, it's always outside of you, that renders you powerless, completely powerless, because you can't do anything. Yeah, you're giving you power to everything else. Right. Yeah. You're saying, I can't be happy unless my parents are different, my boss is different. The, po- so the Everything art. is reliant on something else changing instead of yourself. Yeah. Okay. Which <clears throat> locks you into victimhood instead of survivor. Mm-hmm. So you unknowingly brand yourself a victim. And you you can also pinpoint this if you are a fucking complainer. Victims are always fun to be around. Right? Yeah. But they're always complaining. It's always the plight. It's woe is me. Well, of course this happened to me because my boss did this. Or, well, I can't do that because the company never allows us to do this. You know? Or, well, of course, because my mom always says this to me. And you are powerless. You are a victim. Instead, to your circumstance versus a survivor. So we've got these sets of circumstances, right? We've got a set of circumstances around our economy, around our job situations, around our marital status. Those are circumstances and situations. Some of them are shitty. Some of them are amazing. But with the shitty situations, we have that choice of either adopting this idea that we are a victim or we are a survivor. And that is 100% based off of perspective. Okay. You were asking me before the pod <clears throat> if there was anything that I could add with my father's relationship. Yeah. Um, I think I can make a point of I took the survivor route. You did. And I said, all right. I made a pact with myself at 16 and said, all right, I am going to be nothing like this man. Anything he does, I'm going to do the opposite. Because I realized very young that this is not how men should be. Right. right. This is not how I want to be. So and I and I saw his influence on other things in his life. And I thought, okay, I gotta make some choices here. Right. Yeah. So right. anyway. So yeah, that's great. I mean, that's that is that is really fascinating because I think the difference is that was how you you interpreted your circumstance at the time. And I think that's un uh common for for children to be able to deduce that. I think that's why a lot of people, I think that's amazing. When And one of the reasons why I totally fell in love with you. Oh, but I think that's why a lot of children think their only option is crime or self-sabotage or sleeping around or getting addicted to fucking video games or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever path they take. And then others are different where they throw themselves into academia and they become overachievers. But anyway. Yeah. So it all comes down to how you interpret your set of circumstances. Yeah. Okay. So the other cost to blame, obviously, you get locked into victimhood. Choose blame, choosing victimhood, period. The other thing about blame is that it feels shitty. 
It sucks. Like those people who are constant complainers, and if that's you, like I want you to really call yourself out. If if people say to you, how's it going? And you never say good, or you're never like, you know what? Things are great today, or you know, I'm having a great day. Or if that never happens, and the first thing out of your mouth is always a complaint, chances are you are locked into blame. Mm-hmm. You are locked into victimhood. There's no way your life can be better yeah. unless all these things change. And that feels shitty. The stars if, have to align perfectly. Yeah. And it's not nothing you can control. And it usually is, again, embodied by those different emotions like anger, sadness, irritability, despondence, uh, quick-temperedness, like things that don't feel good. Like you don't ever see complainers and think, oh, yeah, they seem really happy. Yeah. So not not only yeah, yeah. does it lock you into victimhood, but it just feels shitty. Yeah, for everyone involved. Right? I mean, <laughs> and even if you're in a situation where maybe your current relationship is amazing, but you blame your ex, how do you think that that element of blame that you are carrying affects your current relationship? You know, that doesn't – there's not a healthy, good feeling around any of that. Yeah, you're right. Right. So in pod 148, we talked a lot about forgiveness and what that really looks like to forgive other people and also to forgive yourself. And I think blame is really tied to that. And they're they're kind of the antithesis of each other. So if you are locked into blame, you're committed basically to never forgive. And if you are committed to forgiving, you're loosening that grip on blame. You're letting go of that. So I would argue that blame is the victim and forgiveness is choosing survivor. It's the shitty things happened and I'm not going to focus on that forever. So one of the things... I don't know if that's forgiveness though for me, like in my situation with my dad. Like I didn't forgive him for the things that he did. I just said, all right, I still had resentment and I still held things against him. I just said, I choose not to do that. Right, right. I think, yes. And I think we're talking about different things. Okay. So for instance, when we were talking a lot about the concept of forgiveness, I think that people tend to collapse the idea that forgiving somebody else is condoning the behavior is saying, it's okay Uh, that you did that. Okay. But for our purposes and in kind of in personal development, what we are saying forgiveness is, is not that the deed was acceptable, but that I choose not to carry the burden of the deed any longer. Okay. So for instance, with your dad going, I don't think for one second that he was amazing or what he did was okay or acceptable, or that there's not boundaries involved. But I'm choosing not to have that infiltrate my thought process. I'm not going to focus on him. Because when you focused on him, it only brought up awful shit. Right. Right? But when you chose to be boundaried up and to let it go, and it's not that it's okay, but I'm not carrying that anger anymore. Right. You know? And that's the that's the really the poignant thing to understand about forgiveness is we think if we do the opposite, like if we hold on to blame, that they are somehow paying for it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like huh? he doesn't feel for it. The he doesn't. Martyrdom. Yeah. He doesn't feel it. He doesn't feel your scathing. 
emotions, you do. You're the one suffering, Mm -hmm. right? And that's the same way if we leave work and we're just festering, pissed at our boss. You're the one suffering. Now, I think that there are – there's a very, very real difference between being angry, being upset in a moment and dealing with something traumatic or trying or frustrating and a chronic way of being. So really, truly, when you look at this application to your life, I want you to look at it between a chronic habitual pattern versus something just pissed me off right? Like it's fine if your ex pissed you off, if your boss pissed you off, if like the politicians piss you off. Like there's a tons of reasons why we can evoke an emotion of anger or upset. It's very different to always operate in a place where your go-to is that it's somebody else's fault. You don't have any accountability. Everything would be fine if everybody else would get their shit together. And that's your constant uh, homeostasis. Got it. Yeah. Those are two different things. Two different things, things. yeah. Mm -hmm. So you've heard me talk about that ad nauseum where I'm like, feel what you fucking feel. But part of that is the analysis. Part of that is the personal growth going, what about that infuriated me? What about, you know, and really going, digging. What's the deeper level, yeah. Exactly. Instead of just going, it's their fault. Mm -hmm. Let me just blame them forever. So, I mean, you and I have even said, like, I am judging that person so hard right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All coachy. But we, I know, all coachy. (laughs) All granola hippie ass. (laughs) But we will kind of call it out. Like, we'll call out what's happening for us, you know? And that took many years to to get to that point. But I'm hoping that that those are part of the skills that you nurture by listening to podcasts like this or – you know, following other personal development people is you start looking at what is my role? What do I need to own? What are the things I can do versus I can't, which we'll talk about that in a second. So again, if you haven't listened to 148 on forgiveness, I highly suggest that you go back and listen to that because if you let go of blame, you're choosing forgiveness. Like they, again, they're They're the opposite. They're the antithesis. So again, when you choose forgiveness, or even when you say, I'm letting go of blame, even if that moniker of forgiveness is too hard for you to wrap yourself, wrap your head around, try these two things. A, I'm not saying that that was acceptable behavior or I would ever tolerate it again, whether it's from somebody else or from yourself. And B, I'm shifting mode I'm focusing on. I'm not going to focus on my douchebag boss. I'm going to focus on what I can do while I'm there. Yeah, I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday. Um, I'm going to need you to go ahead and come in tomorrow. So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. That kind of douchey boss? That kind of douchey, douchey <clears throat> boss, right. So that is truly when you, in essence, all that you are saying when you say I choose forgiveness is I'm not saying that that was okay. And I'm also not going to continue to focus on that. That's mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's all it is, is a shift in what for you me, pay attention forgiveness, to. Forgiveness, it has an emotional attachment to it. Yeah. You know, it's it's like, I forgive you. 
Right. You know, it's that that kind of thing. And I'm like, no, actually, I kind of hold some resentment, but I just choose not to uh, do the uh, allow the circle to continue. Right. Right. As or far to as conti- my dad's concerned. Or, you know, and that was one of the other things that we talked about a lot in 148 was that there are just because you forgive somebody or let go or choose a different focus, however you want to term it. Yeah. That also can come with a shit ton of boundaries, and it did for you. Mm -hmm. So you can say, yes, I'm not going to focus on him or his role in my life anymore, and here's the limits. Here's how I'm going to enforce that focus is by not conversing, not being in each other's lives, really holding the line. And I think that is another element that we think, well, if I forgive them, now it's this free door to come back in my life. No. Not at all. You can forgive with a shit ton of boundaries. Sure. I release you. (laughs) And release. (laughs) So here's a couple of things to start asking yourself. And you might want to jot these questions down or think about them as they relate to the things that you get really upset about. So I want you to, first of all, look at something that angers you repeatedly over and over and over again where you get worked up and look for an element of blame there. Because again, if your boss is an asshat, if your ex is a total douchebag, like guess what we can do about that? Nothing. Not much. You're right. So focusing on that gives us no benefit at all. Besides that we get like a natural endorphin release when we cast blame. Like mm-hmm. we that I mean, there really is a reason why we gravitate towards that. Again, psychologically, we want to make sense of it. We want to put somebody in their place, right? Right. So know that that's your human response and that's okay, but that does not help you move beyond this. No, so I'm sorry. I, no, go I, ahead. I know you're on a flow. I just have to interrupt. I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine. Yeah. He was saying, oh, man, you know, like my wife come home, comes home and complains about our job. And it's not that I don't want to hear her. It's just that it's, you know, she's constantly complaining, complaining about her. It's like this, like ritual when she gets home that she has to unleash yeah. all of these complaints from her work uh, on me. Like right. I'm her vent. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to be a supportive husband. But it's real hard when it's every time, every time, every time. And I said, you know, I I think you're focusing on the wrong thing. There's a deeper level there that's not being addressed. You're just looking at complaint, I have to listen. Right. But why is she complaining? Mm-hmm. What is it that's really causing her to have to complain and have to vent? And he kind of got down to it and realized that it was an unfulfillment of hers right. in her work. Right. She's not fulfilled in what she's doing. Therefore, there's an external factor of complaining about everything in the workplace. Right. It's gathering evidence to she's support She's gathering story. all this evidence about how her job sucks when it's really, she's not fulfilled in the job she's doing. Yeah. Right? And he's like, oh, yeah. So he's like, now he's got something to kind of bring to the table for her and say, I'd really like you to look at something deeper than just the external levels of this mm-hmm. issue, you know? And this is what happens when Mr. Smith is your friend. <laughs> this is what happens when your wife is a life coach. <laughs> and you got sucked into being the podcast host with her for three years. <laughs> oh, 
my gosh. But but no, I think there's there's a lot of things there that I think are really important. One is if we have created a story that your workplace sucks, that your parents are idiots, that the economy fucking bites, you've created a story that now we will subconsciously, we don't consciously do this, you guys. Like we don't think, let me become a total complainer. We gather evidence to support that story. Like, look at how stupid my parents were about this. Look at how my boss did that. Look at this colleague of mine. Look at my stupid husband who did this. And you start tallying all of these pieces of evidence. And what happens is you can't see anything beyond that. It's like your radio is only set to hip hop and you (laughs) cannot hear classical to save your fucking life. Right. Forest through the trees. That's exactly right. So I realized this too with some work that I did with my personal coach around some anger that I was holding towards my mom. And it was really fascinating because I had put a lot of blame on her for much of my childhood for how I was raised in such a conservative, born-again Christian family. And you know, so my vehicle to blame, I noticed – was in that anger. Like I have so much anger. And when I started unpacking it with my coach and looking at things, I realized that the things I was gathering evidence to support how shitty she was were kind of ridiculous. Like I was making these very minimal things mean something catastrophic about who she was. And I started realizing that there was a ton of ways in which she was amazing Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so thoughtful and always wanting to check in and really wanting to be a part of my life and thinking up really kind gifts, really thoughtful gifts for me. But I had blinders on all of that shit. Because I was so acutely focused on supporting my story. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've talked about this even with relationships. Like if you're hell bent on a story that your partner doesn't do jack shit around the house, you start seeing every trash can that wasn't taken out. You see laundry that was not folded. You see, you know, what dishes that were not cleaned and you don't see the flowers that he bought for you or how he took care of property taxes without you having to think about it or how he got your car washed for you. So you 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 seriously have blinders on because you are reading that one story. You're reading that one book and you are tallying and tallying and tallying. And that is what happens with blame. It locks you into I am a victimhood to this person's shitty behavior and I am powerless. And you don't get to enjoy anything. You don't get to see any of the amazing things. So I would even challenge that that friend, that wife of your friend. I would say, first of all, I think anything that is worth massive complaining about like that, consistent complaining about, is worth taking action on. If you can complain, you can take action. It's energy, period. So that energy would be better suited building a resume, searching out new higher education, looking for alternative work situations. Well, she's about to retire. Okay. So I think that's also it. She's got a little senioritis. Well, okay. Yeah. Right. But anyway, I I see your point. It is your choice of focus. Yeah. It is, I would rather vent about this than take my personal power because then when you take personal power, guess what? You have to fucking do something. Yeah. You have to do something. Yeah. It's the only way to change things. And sometimes that Absolutely. is 
it, it, that's harder. It involves more work to come home and not give your partner an earful, but rather read a new journal on, you know, I don't know, psychological developments where you're really interested in moving in a different career path. Like it is so much easier to just vent. Yeah, absolutely. And then it becomes a habit. And then I would also guess that this particular person that you're sharing this anecdote about has a very hard time noticing when they got an extra Christmas bonus or relishing that or how there was a new employee who who just started working there and they've they now do jazzercise together or, or it would they're be, taking over some of her work or something like exactly that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. or when the boss didn't micromanage you don't you cannot gather that evidence because that is not the story you're trying to support well, that's not what's under your microscope that's exactly right mm-hmm. so that's a great thank you for sharing that because that is a great way for people i think to think again like i was saying at the beginning we don't we don't really think we're blamers we just think our situation sucks. Right. Yeah. And so it, it's so good to get examples like that to go, oh, I am casting all this blame, rendering me powerless. Yeah. And I'm also not noticing any of the awesome blessings or any of the cool things that are happening. Absolutely. So again, looking at these handful of questions. So first of all, where do I blame? Where am I constantly complaining? Again, chronically. I'm not talking about the occasional bad day or the one person who who pisses you off and you usually don't let it get to you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a habitual way of being. Where do I blame? Where do I always feel angry towards this person, that person, this scenario, this situation? And then the second question to start asking yourself is, what would it look like if I actually chose survivor over victim. Like what if I had a shitty work situation and instead of being the victim that had to complain, what would survivor mean? Right, yeah. Who would I have to hang out with? How would my behavior have to change? How would what what I converse about have to change? Would I have to start seeing the motherfucking bright side? You have to get Beyonce on their ass. (laughs) Obey. (laughs) So really start thinking about if I went to my job or if I went to go pick up my kids with and saw my ex and I needed to be a survivor instead of a victim, how would I carry myself? What would I say to my ex? My guess is you wouldn't pick fucking fights. You would just handle everything completely businesslike. Yeah. If you were a survivor. You almost have to. Right? But, okay, it's a different so story. Here's a question for you that's probably being asked. Where's the happy medium between boundarying up and allowing things to happen? What do you give me an example? Um, well, just in the example you just gave. Okay. Re- repeat that. Well, you can go meet like let's say you go meet with your ex to pick up your children and you have kind of a volatile relationship with your ex. You're used to preparing for combat, you're used to having an aggressive conversation with them. It's mm-hmm. never easy, let's say. And you choose, because when you're choosing victimhood, you are choosing that that is going to happen to you and you need to fight and you need to be combative. If you chose survivor and you said, okay, there's going to be enemy fire, how do I want to protect myself? Well, first of all, I don't want to engage in that. I'm going to shut down all conversation that gets us heated and involved. I'm going to pass everything over to a lawyer if it's possible. I'm going to, you know, do you see what I'm saying? So boundaries are important. 
I see the okay. So boundaries are important during uh, combative or. Um, God, I'm having trouble articulating what I'm trying to say here. Well, there's, <clears throat> you see, the, what we've talked about a lot is mm-hmm. shitty, shitty situations. Well, we're, we're ta- They're not going to stop being shitty. A lot about what we talk about on this pod is letting go of boundaries. No, we talk about st- establishing boundaries a lot. Well, no, like it, it being vulnerable. Oh, I see what you mean. Requires you to let go of boundaries. Right. But I do always say... That you choose who you are vulnerable with. You don't just be vulnerable with every Tom, Dick, and Harry or your ex who has not earned the right I see. for your vulnerability. Okay. So I do think that, you know, what we're talking about, a lot of this is genuinely having shitty situations. Like you might have a partner who is a dick. You might have parents that were really awful to you. You might have a workplace that's really uncomfortable. Okay, so there's the cards that are dealt to us. You can be a victim about all of it, or you can be a survivor and handle it the way a survivor would, which I think oftentimes comes with boundaries. Got it. Just like your situation with your father. You chose, I'm a fucking survivor. I'm not going to carry all this blame and get all worked up about him and all these things, but I sure as fuck am going to be boundaried up. That doesn't mean a free pass into my world. Same thing with a challenging work environment. That doesn't mean you're saying anything is okay, but if you are choosing to stay there and not remove yourself from your the situation, you probably want to focus on something that makes you feel powerful. Got it. Okay. Does that, that sense. Does that help? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then finally, the last question to ask yourself is, and this is a great way to gain perspective about everything that we're just talking about, is what can I do versus what can't I do? Right? Like you always say, throw it in the trash can't. Mm-hmm. Are you American or American? That's exactly or right. Or wherever you are. Or whatever. <laughs> so if you say you go to your work and – well, I can't make my boss do this. Well, I can't get removed off this project. Well, I can't change the deadline. Well, I can't do the Victim, victim, fucking victim. If you say, okay, what can I do? Well, I can limit how much time I talk to that person during lunch. I can make sure that I'm really vigilant about my self-care practices. So I, during my walks, I really focus on positive stuff or whatever. I go take a walk. I do jumping jacks. I can start researching continued education or I can start working on my resume. I can start uh, putting feelers out there to other people who are in my industry. I That feels you're still in a shitty environment, but focusing on you're can your focus. is so much more powerful. I mean, you can even just hear that in that anecdote. Like, it feels so much better to focus on what you can do versus what you can't. Absolutely. So those are a couple of the places for you to look. And again, I'm not saying at all that it's not hard. You know, it is hard to be in a relationship and have to co-parent with an ex who's an idiot, right? But what I'm saying is focusing on them being an idiot isn't helping. Right. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And no one can change that except you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it could even be like a baby step to say like, I still think they're an idiot, but I'm choosing not to focus on that. (laughs) (laughs) That might, instead of going down that vortex and talking to your best friend and going off about what he did and what he said and blah, 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 blah. What if you focused on what you wanted to do? Yeah. Yeah. Or 
you know, the new person you're dating or the new pair of pants you just got or whatever or the new dish you just made or the pie you baked that was so amazing. It's just a choice of focus. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that that was really helpful for you. And if you're newer to the pod, there's a couple of things that you might want to know. One, I have a free workbook for you that targets a lot of this stuff. And it has nine different actionable tasks that and challenges that you can take on to help you further find your voice and really use it and, and cultivate self-love and self-confidence. So if you go to thejoyjunkie.com slash free, you can download my workbook that also comes in an audiobook format, and it is called Stand Up for Yourself Without Being a Dick. <laughs> so you can grab that over at thejoyjunkie.com. And if there's something that you've really wanted us to sound off on, if you click on the podcast, you can actually submit a show topic. And we always look through those first before we decide to you know put it in agenda together for the show. So if there's something you really want us to talk about and you have a specific scenario, submit a show topic and we we look at all of them and then make choices based off of what would be helpful yeah. for everybody. You know what's always amazing to me is we do podcasts, you've got all this free stuff and it scratches the surface oh, of yeah. some of the other products that you have. Oh, oh like my gosh, yeah. Barely even nicks. So you know, I don't want people to get the impression that I can just look at the podcast and get the free stuff. And and be fine. They obviously they could. They could do some great totally. work there. Totally. But there's so much more involved. It's it's almost like not being able to see the whole iceberg. Oh, right. You right. You know, like you can just see the tip and it's like, well, that's plenty. You know, that's plenty to work with. I can just get the tip. <laughs> and like I always say, sometimes that's sometimes all it takes. That's all it takes. <laughs> But, but there's so much more underneath the surface that can be dealt with. And um, so there's a it's lot a of other products that you yeah. have to deal with that. It's a lifelong yeah, process. Yeah, amazing. And, and that's true. And thank you for saying that. And this is what I like to call a palatable entry point. It's like you can wrap your head around like a 30-minute pod or a 40-minute pod and go like, okay, yeah, there's something there for me to change. But I'll tell you what, my tribe, it is 12 weeks and we do one lesson every week with worksheets and a live call. And I swear to you, I still feel like I could do another 12 weeks. Dang. Like, it's just really rich. This and shit is deep. And, and there's never an end to it. There's there's always room to grow. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, when I teach it, I go back through it myself. Absolutely. Teaching and is the best way to learn. It's Oh, yeah. And then they show me ways in which I can improve. So it's really great. It's awesome. really, really great. So, yeah, I mean – I offer the pod and like my free workbook. So when I do those, it's a couple of way, a couple of things. One, my goal is always that people go, shit, if she gives this away for free, imagine what, the what on stuff earth is. is her program that's like, and my students will tell you, like, I don't fuck around. It's an intensive. Right. They're like exhausted. <laughs> They're like, oh my God. And so we I actually build in weeks off because it's a, it's so much. Nice. So you need like a little rest. It, it's like <laughs> running a marathon. It's like you have to have a break before you do the next marathon, you know? Right, yeah. Um, but, nice. you know, I want – I also think that there are people who will never, ever be able to take a class, even if it's 100 bucks. And I want people to start thinking bigger and deeper and making some shifts no matter what their economical level is. Changing the world. You know, one pot at a time. Right? Hashtag life coach life. <laughs>
<laughs> Stupid. <laughs> That's tweetable, everybody. That's my tweet for the day. <laughs> oh my god, click to tweet. Except there's nothing. Except to... I don't have a tweet account. Except a tweet account. <laughs> I can't. Oh my god. On that note, we're gonna wrap this shit up. All right. So be sure to go to thejoyjunkie.com/slash/free. Get your hands on that and uh, submit a show topic while you're there. And I think that's everything. Anything else you wanted to add? I think I've added enough. I think you have too. (laughs) All right, guys. We will see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, out.